Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to NASCAR American Motor Mouse. Just two of us in the studio today. Steve Dart, <laughs> myself, Jeff Burton. We're going to be joined, though, later. Dustin Law is going to come bail us out. we got Daniel Hemrick, Xfinity Driver. He'll be joining us in the last segment. Uh, but remember, guys, this show is about you. We want you to call in. Make sure you join this show. You guys make it. We love talking to you, love debating with you, arguing with you sometimes. There's a number, 1-844-627-2276. Give us a call. Steve, thoughts from this past weekend? So, a lot of debate on whether we need 500-mile races, and I'm circling the wagons to try to protect this one. Now, listen, every race doesn't need to be four hours. Every race doesn't have to be a marathon, but NASCAR was built on attrition. It was built on the grind and the battle of a full season and having great equipment, and I believe that in the playoffs, and I don't count Talladega because it's the play track, there has to be a 500-mile challenge. I love that it's in the final round, and it made a difference. The last 100 miles changed the playoff picture. So I was enthused by Texas. Um, should we be surprised? Kyle Larson, near perfect. If he had won stage one, I'd call it perfect. Near perfect performance at the right time of the year. You know, it's interesting. I was During the race, I was kind of having that thought, maybe this race is too long, and then that then it started happening. I'm like, well, if the race wasn't this long, we wouldn't have seen all this. Yeah. I mean, it got crazy at the end. And that, that you know, those, those, the end – showed, in my opinion, I think more so in this race than other races I remember where we had non-playoff drivers racing toward the front of the pack. I mean, I, I, that surprised me a little bit. Normally, we, we just fill the top six, seven spots with playoff guys, but not this weekend. It really got mixed up. I think it's the business of racing. I believe that. Um, I don't have proof, 
But I believe that the expectations of these teams, the expectations of drivers, the business of signing new partners before the playoffs started and the non-playoff guys said, well, we didn't make it. And they kind of stepped back and let it play out. And I don't think you can step back anymore. Every owner, every manufacturer, every partner is wanting to know what next year is going to look like already. And I think these young drivers are trying to prove themselves, find their footing a little bit. And all of that adds up to where they're not willing to throw away the last five or ten races of the season. You know, maybe Phoenix, we're still going to see this respect to the championship four. I still believe that exists. But until Phoenix, they are going to race. Well, this race had a major impact on the playoffs. Let's take a look at the playoff leaderboard. Uh, some guys came out really well, and some guys had some serious work to do after this. Joey Logano, 43 points. I mean, Joey had as bad of a day as you can have, I think. You know, got no stage points. Ended up with seven total points on the day compared to 58 that Kyle Larson gained. That's a tough first race in this round. Listen, the bottom of the playoffs are, are, you know, definitely in a challenge, but I think the real story is the top of the playoffs, and that's Kyle Larson with that win. I don't think that shook up the points very much because he already had an advantage when it looked to be at the points, but Jeff, we've seen teams get hot all summer long, but who can carry it when it matters most? Kyle Larson is getting hot or staying hot, probably perhaps is a better accurate, with his eighth win of the year, proving that it matters most now, and now this team has the biggest advantage that NASCAR affords anyone, and that is they are guaranteed to race for a championship in a couple weeks' time when we go to Phoenix. And I think you take Hendrick Motorsports. They have one other car they're worrying about. They still got to get Chase in. But other than Chase, no offense to William Byron, no offense to Alex Bowman. Other than Chase Elliott getting into the championship four, every man and woman at Hendrick Motorsports are going to be worrying about the five cars and their Phoenix entry and how it can be the best it can be. Well, I, I know the competition hopes he can't get a whole lot better. <laughs> They've been so fast. But uh, he won the race in dominating fashion. William Byron was really I, the only guy I thought could take the fight to him. But Kyle was better all day long. Let's listen to what Kyle had to say. Welcome to the championship four. First time ever for you, Kyle. Yeah, this is uh, unreal. Um, I knew we'd have a good, uh, a good shot to uh, win today. And our car was amazing. That's probably the best... 550 package, intermediate uh, car we've had all year. So thanks to everybody on this five team, HendrickCars.com, Rick Hendrick. This is so cool. We had a lot of people from Hendrick Cars uh, here, and we need to go race for a championship in a few weeks. This is crazy. Uh, that's probably surreal to you, but how about those seven restarts you had in stage three, and you never once faltered? How did you keep it together for all of them? Yeah, I just, uh, I just got good pushes from behind me, really. I tried to stay patient on the throttle to keep them to my back bumper and and thankfully I was able to just barely clear them every time into one and not have to fight off a of two so uh thanks to William Tyler uh Brad Kozlowski anybody who was ever behind me um <laughs> especially Brad there that last restart so uh just awesome to win and and hope we can get some more wins uh throughout the rest of the year how big will it be to have two weeks now to get ready for Phoenix and focus on that race and go run for a title yeah, it'd be cool. I mean, I don't think we're going to lose focus on Kansas or Martinsville, but um, I, I definitely think we can shift a little bit more to our Phoenix car and really look forward to that. I love I love the West Coast. I love, you know, Phoenix. We've always been fast there. At least, you know, I was really fast earlier this year in the five and made a lot of mistakes, but uh, I think we should have a good shot. Our team's been so strong all year long and might as well close it out now. Clearly, extremely excited. I mean, another... He, he said maybe the best, you know, mile-and-a-half car he's ever had. I mean, you know, they're getting – they were already good, and now they're bringing it to a whole nother level. And, and so, 
So when Marty asked about the two weeks of preparation, you heard Larson mention, well, I'm, you know, I'm still focused on Kansas and Martinsville. And I think that's exactly what the driver needs to do. Because politely, I don't know what two extra weeks is going to do for Kyle Larson to prepare for Phoenix. Like, yeah. what else is he going to do? I would actually argue that I don't want him to do anything different. Whatever his week leading up to, he was at GoPro Motorplex driving in the U.S. PKS go-kart race all week long. This is the guy that his preparation is driving. Not the right racetrack, not the simulator, not the, I'm talking driving anything he can drive. If I'm Kyle Larson, keep that winning attitude, keep that you know competitive edge of driving. Now, those two weeks do mean something for the team because even Hedrick Motorsports, people feel that the pie is gigantic, it's endless, they have all the you know tools in the world. Listen, they do have the most, perhaps, or tied with Gibbs as the most tools, but it's not endless. And now Cliff Daniels is going to be able to step back and take some of that effort and put it to one car, and really two cars, because let's not forget, we go to Phoenix, there's practice. We haven't seen that all year, so now it's not just a car. Cliff Daniels can now prepare for practice. He's going to use that hour of practice perhaps better than anyone. Listen, I think Kyle Larson, what what I was so impressed with, obviously he's fast, that car is fast, we all know that, but you have to execute. And, you know, he had seven restarts in just the last stage, that he had the lead in, and he kept the lead in every one of those restarts. That is so difficult to do when you have people lined up on the outside of you, people pushing the guy in front, trying to get out. He kept the lead in every single one of them. That's executing. That's understanding what's going on and then taking advantage of it. And this restart, um, you know, pretty interesting to me on this restart. I, if we were, if this, if that right there, if that restart was happening anywhere else, the outside cars would be just right on the door yeah. of the guy getting into turn one. And that wasn't always the case. And I think that's some of the advantage of restarting on the inside at Texas. Turn one is so wide. I mean, it's crazy how wide it is. And it's uh, visually, it's very difficult. I don't think that the guys on the outside actually know where they are and right. when the guys on the bottom are going to turn. So when Kyle Larson turns... The, the guy on the outside is on his door, side-drafting him, slowing him down. That's a major advantage. What other mile-and-a-half racetrack did the, the leader restart on the inside? Yeah, I don't exactly. know of any. Right. I don't know of any. So that's, that's something that played into his favor. But he executed, did everything right, got, got great launches, just a great job all in all. Well, we could talk about Kyle Larson all we want, but we're going to have a lot of opportunity to talk about him in a couple weeks and he goes to Phoenix. We might have an opportunity to talk about him at Kansas. I wouldn't yeah. put it past this oh, five car. I'd tell the other driver that I think really needs to be focused in on, and that's uh, the 24, William Byron. I, I know the playoffs uh, didn't advance. He didn't advance like perhaps his team had hoped, but I would argue that being in the playoffs now for the second time and understanding the pressure, um, we're seeing a lot of tenacity and toughness out of this 24 group. Remember, this is his first playoffs with Rudy Fugel as a crew chief. And the pace, I mean, he went to Bristol, pushed into a corner, fought his way out. He went to the Roval in a must win. And I'm going to tell you, he didn't win, but he was in winning position for a lot of that race. That I mean, that's all I think you can ask for of a, of a young driver. And what I'm seeing right here, beating, banging with Tyler Reddick and, and chasing his teammate up front there, um, I've always said I thought Joey Logano was one of the most valuable drivers in the garage era because of starts, age, and a championship. Put that all together. The case is tipping quickly that William Byron, because of his age, youth, and potential upside, his value is increasing dramatically. Uh, and it's playoffs like this that prove that to me. I know he's not in the playoffs, but those playoff guys brought their A, a best, their yes. A game. Yes. And other than Kyle Larson, he outran the rest of them. 
Well, Rick Hendrick agrees with you. He just signed him to a multi-year deal. Yeah. So he extended his contract. So that's really smart. Rick Hendrick has done a really good job of locking in young drivers. Uh, while we're talking about Hendrick Motorsports, uh, you know, I, I can't quite figure out Chase Elliott. They're really good. They're not great. Like their teammate right now, Kyle Larson's great. Chase Elliott had a, had a tire issue. He seemed like he had good speed. Never had Kyle Larson speed. Had good speed. Had that tire issue. That set them back. Uh, had a seventh place finish. Got 33 points overall uh, compared to Blaney, who finished sixth and got 48 points. Right. So, so to me, Chase Elliott and here they are. They're they're, they're just a few points out of being in fourth, but they're going to have to beat Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin. Uh, Brad Keselowski is right behind him. I feel like this team needs to take a little step. I feel like that they, they're they really close, but they're just not quite where they need to be. Not quite where they need to be, and you mentioned the tire issue. You know, when I look down through my notes right here, I think it happened like lap 153 right there. We just saw the pit stop. What that does is that robbed them of those stage two points. Yep. And, and you pointed it out, right? 33 points to Blaney's 48. 15 less points. And he finished one position behind him in the race. And, and that's what I think the fan needs to understand. We talk a lot about stage points, and I'm not sure the fans love the conversation. But the simple fact is that in this time of the year, when they are points racing, that is a big deficit. Because if he just doesn't have that tire and still runs seventh, I think there's another seven or eight points. Well, guess what? He's eight points below the cut line. So, you know, that is a big difference. Nothing they did. I mean, it was a tire issue. Yeah. I mean, uh, nothing they could do. They recovered from it well. But... Um, we, we will see where Chase Elliott, I expect them to be very, very good at Kansas. I think it's time for them to really hone in, get focused. Uh, and I think the advantage of Larson moving through is an advantage for Larson at Phoenix. But make no mistake about it, I would be shocked if the conversation today over in Concord at Hendrick Motorsports isn't, all right, we got one in, we got one, one guy we got to get in. What does he need? Allen, what do you need? And I think it's basically carte blanche. He, he asked for it, he's going to get it. And, and just, so, just so you guys understand, we'll, you know, talking about with points, you know, Chase Elliott got 33 points. He finished 7th. Denny Hamlin finished 11th and got 34 points. Right. One more point than Chase Elliott got because he got stage points. You have to execute throughout the entire race today. It is the number of points you gain. The finishing, is, you get the most points by finishing well, but you can overcome a bad day or you can make a great day even better by getting stage points. There it is right there. I mean, it tells the story. Poor Joy Logano, 7, Truex only 12. Truex didn't get any stage points. Logano didn't get any stage points, and they both had troubles. Well, if you don't think points are the thing, I heard a quote from Brad Keselowski and their team. They think they need 120 points to, about, to advance to the championship. They're already looking at That's the total right. they need to gain over three weeks. Well, here he is. Fourth total points earned at 40 points. He thinks he needs 120. So, well, you have to be fine if that's enough, but they at least have a point total in mind. He raced to that total. He got one-third of them. Now he has two more races to do it. But what a race. I mean, that wreck on the backstretch, uh, it didn't take out the, the real early wreck. The big wreck. Yes. The big wreck on the back. It didn't take out a lot of heavy hitters, in my opinion, but it did thin the field. Right here, Bubba Wallace goes around. It did eliminate the 48 of Bowman. The 18 was back there. He got through it, right? And the reason the 42 got taken out, but the reason I, there was really no playoff cars involved, but I, it just changed the feel of the race because it shrunk the field. Mm -hmm. And and I, I know that doesn't seem like much, but in my mind, it really changed what the restarts looked like, what lap traffic looked like. There wasn't a lot of it, but the stuff that was out there was way off the pace. Uh, it really just kind of changed the, the whole flow of the race.
All right, so now the best part of our show, we got a couple of things going on. Number one, I don't hear very well because I drove race cars my whole life. So I, can't, I, so I haven't heard who the caller is. All right, beautiful. Tom, so, but we want to get our callers in because this is the best part of our show. So, Tom, you're leading us off tonight. Hey, Mayor, Steve, how y'all doing? We're wonderful. Great. Well, good, good, good. Y'all were talking about that big wreck involved, my boy Alex Bowman and Bubba and many others. Well, I think that wreck, no offense, shouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened if Bubba had just maintained a little patience and waited for the right time to make that move, no offense. It just it wasn't just Bowman that suffered. It was a multi-bunch multi of other non-playoff drivers that could have had good finishes, too, that suffered. It All was right. just way too early to be driving like that. Okay, so so I hear what you're saying, and it and you know what, I have to. You're not wrong. Yeah, he did Bubba, wreck. I think Bubba agreed. He did wreck. Yeah. Right. But I will defend any driver that is at a mile and a half with this engine downforce package. You really got to go. Like you've got to be aggressive. You've got to push the buttons. You got to make stuff happen. So you're right. I mean, the end result clearly says you were right. But at the same token. We saw we saw Ryan Blaney in the middle of three wide. He didn't lose his car. Yeah, right. Yeah. We saw several people in the middle of three wide, and he didn't lose their cars. So Bubba got surprised by the lack of grip, and maybe he wouldn't have been surprised later in the race because he would have learned more by not making that move. But you know, I've been in that situation before, but never with this package. We talk about it on the we talk about it on the broadcast, and it, we're not making it up. Restarts are huge. They're way important in what a driver can make done, get done throughout the day. So I can't fault a driver pushing hard on a restart. Well, and I would have took issue if Bubba would have cut out and pointed to some other issue. But when he got out of the infield care center and we had him on the NBC broadcast, he looked disgusted with himself. He, he, he looked disappointed. He looked sad. He looked disgusted. All the things that I would expect. I would look the same way when I botched a pit call, which I have in my career. It, it's... It's a technology sport, but let's not pretend that humans drive and humans make pit calls. Exactly. And the human and Bubba Wallace, I went to Victory Lane a couple weeks ago, the other side of that coin is a mistake. He made a mistake. He lost control of his car. It was a big accident, but, but he was in the accident too. So, you know, he, he basically was, he, he felt the pain just as much as the other cars. He messed up. Yeah, it happens. He messed up, and, and clearly, clearly that's the case. So I, we're going to get bailed out in a little bit. Dustin Long, the smartest guy in the, in the room. He won't be in the room with us. He'll be on the phone with us. He'll be joining us next. Dustin always has great information. Can't wait to hear what he has to talk about. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's all about the push, and I think here in Texas, the, the shortest lane kind of wins out because of the way the track kind of separates into turn one. So we just never quite got control. I, I think he was definitely better than us that first couple, first stage, and then uh, and then I was right there with him the rest of the time, and it was just clean clean air basically. But we're here to stay. You know, uh, Rudy's Rudy's going to be in it for a long time. I feel like, and um, we've got a good team, good young team, and uh, myself included. So I feel like we can do a lot of good things, and had a pretty good run, and had a shot at a win. You know, I felt like we were pretty strong at the beginning of the race, and then we kind of lost the handle there, uh, middle middle stages, and fell back and lost some track positions. So uh, fortunate to come home third for sure, and really happy for this 20 group. Uh, I think we've got some strong races coming up. Uh, you know, the schedule's 
full of, of good racetracks for us to close out the year, and uh, I expect us to run good at all of them. Yeah, we, I mean, we probably missed four or five points there at the at the end of the day, but we missed four or five points at the stage as well too. So that's about what we missed out on. Um, you know, we just didn't it just didn't have it. Um, certainly the five and the twenty-four class of the field again. You know, but we were just slow. Um, I found some laps where I could run wide open, and I was able to just barely, barely, barely make the same lap time as them. And anytime I ever had to get out of the gas, they would just drive away. So um, got to go back to the drawing board for next week, try to figure out some better stuff for Kansas. So had the car bounced really well with the discount tire forward for long runs. And the you know, last few times we've been here, you get 40, 50 lap, 100 lap runs at the end. And geez, we didn't run more than two laps at a time for the last uh, 45, 50 laps. And uh, that's not what we needed. We had the long run speed. Those guys were just blistering fast, the five and the 24. Every restart, they just drove away from me. And it was kind of like, come on, give me some laps and let their stuff wear down. But uh, just wasn't a way to put out. If you keep running like that, scoring, you know, high 30s, low 40s in points, uh, we'll transfer in. I thought we could run third or fourth and just lost a couple spots here and there on each restart. Gain one, lose one, and then, you know, we ended up six. So plus 17, comfortable margin there or, or not? I don't think you'd ever be comfortable. I mean, you can, you know, you go have an issue in the first stage and, and all that's gone. So just got to keep doing what you're doing. You know, I don't think you can ever get comfortable unless you're the five car right now, you know, for the next two races. So had a fast enough car to run up at the front. And, uh, you know, you'd hope to just bring that every single week and just you know, keep focusing on one race at a time. Well, there's a sound from a few of the drivers that had decent days out in Texas. We bring in Dustin Long, D-Lo. You are uh, pounding the pavement out there, getting a lot of good sound and a lot of good quotes. I was reading them all all weekend long. What was your big takeaways from Texas? Well, I'll tell you what, the, the biggest thing, I know you talk about Kyle Larson winning, but I'd say the, the second biggest thing of the weekend was was Ryan Blaney and getting the, those 48 points and getting 17 stage points and really having his advantage over the cut line uh, grow thicker like his beard has been growing this summer uh, from one point up uh, to 17 points up uh, after after Sunday's race. And, and, you know, I'll tell you what, I, I really think a key point of the race, you know, you, we talk, you guys talked earlier about, you know, 500 miles and, and so, so much happened at the end of the race that impacted the playoff. But I think a lot happened, you know, right early, just after that big 15-car uh, crash. And now, you know, that comes right after that competition caution a lot of the leaders don't want to pit because they don't want to give up track position. And and Todd Gordon and Ryan Blaney, Blaney sitting twelfth uh, at that at that point in that caution. And Todd Todd Gordon, uh, I talked with him after the race. He says, "Hey, I'm I'm looking over the guys behind me, and, and I'm thinking a lot of guys are going to come in to try to top off." And at that point, you know, Ryan, like I said, was twelfth in the standings, but he was only uh, ahead of two of the other playoff cars. So. You know, he had room to make up. He could afford maybe to take this gamble. And, again, it was an interesting call by Todd Gordon because, you know, they only entered one point uh, above the cut line going into this. So if this doesn't work, suddenly they cost themselves a lot of, uh, of, of stage points. But uh, the stage goes all the way to the green, longest green flag run of the race. And, uh, you know, one of the big things that helped Ryan Blaney during that is he caught up to, to Chase Elliott and started drafting off of him, and that allowed him to save fuel. And then Todd said, you know, once the leader started pitting with about 10 laps to go in the stage, then, you know, Ryan, they told Ryan just to kind of really back it off hard because they weren't going to get caught and they weren't going to catch. It was not worth the taking the risk to catch Kyle Busch to win the stage and try to get the playoff point at that, at that time. So, I mean, I really think that was a huge moment of the race uh, for, for Ryan Blaney, just the, 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 the pit call by Todd Gordon, the decision to make.
in, in that same sequence, I can remember watching Brad Keselowski going around the racetrack, and he looked like he was in second gear. Yeah, I mean, right. he was like three seconds slower than everybody, trying to just get to the end, not have to pit. Uh, he ran well. Dustin, were you, I was surprised to see him run that well. He's been the one telling us they're not running well, but they brought real speed this past weekend. Yeah, I was really surprised in a way, too, because I didn't have as high expectations for the, the Penske group as compared to the Hendrick and, and Gibbs cars. And I talked to Jeremy Bolins after after the race, and I said, look, I, I was I was kind of surprised you guys ran as well. And he said, look, this is the same car we ran at Texas in the All-Star race where they finished second. Now, again, the package was a little different, but he says, look, we were able to learn some things from that race and able to carry that forward. And I think another key thing is uh, that kind of helped Brad score some stage points, especially in the second stage, was his pit crew. It gained him a couple of spots on the last pit stop before the end of the second stage, and then at the end of the second stage gained a couple more spots. So kind of kept him up there. Um, you know, they don't, they, they, you know, the Penske cars, they, they couldn't compete with the five and the 24 and there wasn't anybody that could compete with those two, but maybe they were like close to being next best in class. And again, it was a, a combination of taking for Brad, what they learned from the, uh, uh, the all-star race and the success of the pit crew during the race. Although I will say this, I think one one challenge for them was, you know, they did the same strategy as Ryan Blaney. Again, Brad was a little further back in that first stage, but only able to, up, to make it up to 10th. Did get a point, but, you know, yeah, I think you look at that as, for them, it's like, boy, if they could have gotten a couple more points, and again, you know, they're going to need to scratch and claw, because again, I think you have some of the same questions about what will they be like at Kansas, um, you know, next this coming week. And, and I think you still expect the Hendrick cars and Gibbs cars to be the top of the class, uh, even though, like, you know, Blaney was up toward the front in the Kansas race in, in uh, earlier this year and then got pushed out of the out of the lead by Larson on that late restart. But I think it's still, um, you know, the Penske groups are going to have to count their points as, as they move forward. And I think what will also be interesting, too, is to get those points is, you know, I think Ryan especially needs to put himself in a, as a safe position as possible because you, you, you don't expect maybe necessarily Joey and or Brad to win at Kansas per se. So you really don't want to be racing your teammates to be getting into the, the championship at Martinsville because that causes all sorts of issues. I think it's something else you have to look at. It's funny you say safe because I'm the opposite. I think Ryan Blaney needs to go to try to win Kansas and just assume it's going to take a win. Forget points. 17 points can evaporate with one uh, one flat tire. Let's go to the phones. Chandler, you're on NASCAR America Motor Mouse. Thank you, Steve. So, um, guys, I guess you can start playing I Got a Golden Ticket from Willie Wonka because that's what Kyle Larson's got coming to Phoenix. So um, my question for you guys is, looking at how Kyle Busch did when he won stage one, I know that was a little gamble right there, but Kansas is coming up. And, and in my opinion, I call that as Kyle's only opportunity to get to Phoenix. But what can you guys expect out of Kyle Busch coming to Kansas this Sunday? Well, I'll, I'll defer to Dustin. I will say, Dustin, it's funny because we talk about a good day for Brad, an okay day for Kyle, yet they score the same amount of points. So Kyle had a bigger advantage coming in with his regular season, so I guess I'll defer to you. Do Can we expect Kyle Busch to point his way into Phoenix? Do you think he needs to win? What are you looking for out of the 18? Yeah, again, it's. Uh, I, th I think you, you give him a little bit more room uh, because you expect the Gibbs cars to be faster. Again, it was surprising that, uh, you know, they weren't as strong. I mean, obviously, you know, yes, he did win the first stage helped by the, the, the strategy that they played. But, 
you know, Kyle was even in the clip there with the earlier and, and talking to us after the race is, is he was just perplexed what happened and why they really struggled. He pointed toward, you know, this race last year at Texas where he won when he was out of play, uh, title contention as really being a key race because they changed a lot of things with how they did it and kind of used that to help with the setups for the mile and a half this year at Joe Gibbs Racing. And, and it worked out and they and Kyle won it uh, at Kansas uh, in, in May on his birthday. So, uh, again, I, you know, I think there's the potential for a, a big day at, at Kansas. Uh, again, I'd still look out for Kyle Larson because he was the dominant one there earlier this year. But I think I think Kyle Busch can get in on points. Um, because I think he's got a better car, and I think he's got a little bit more room. Now, again, if something happens, then he better go win Martinsville. So, so I, I think the Penske cars running as well as they did this past weekend puts a lot of pressure on Kyle Busch going this weekend. Yeah. Like, I don't think he figured he was going to have to have to outrun Brad Keselowski or Ryan Blaney. I think that he felt like on the mile and a half, they're just better. And they weren't. No. So I think that puts a ton of pressure on them. If they go, they need, you know, every the, the, the next race is the most important one, and, and that's what's <laughs> going to happen this weekend. If the Penske's come and bring that much speed again, that's going to put a ton of pressure on Kyle Busch having to step up and try to find a way to go quicker. Yeah, and what I learned this week is, you know, other than Kyle Archon, who's been pretty consistent, it's hard to <laughs> handicap that next wave. Right, yeah, because it, it seems like there's gains and there's losses. Kevin Harvick, I thought, was better than I expected at Texas. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, will he be able to continue to just kind of keep in the fray at Kansas, maybe disrupt some of the playoffs? Let's go back to the phones. Josh, you're on. Hey, Jeff, Steve, thank you for having me. Um, so I heard today on Twitter that Kyle Larson is only about 50 laps uh, shy of beating Jeff Gordon's record for most laps led in a 36-race season, uh, which was news to me. But that raises the question, where does that place his 2021 season compared to the greatest seasons of all time? Well, I will say eight wins um, is up there. You know, I'm trying to think modern era. Gordon might have had a 10-win season in the 90s. Rusty might have had seven or eight a couple times. Um, You know, it's really hard to compare because so much has changed in the sport with double file restarts and so many different things. But if this young man can win eight races, um, I think a championship would put it in the single digits, like top five best seasons we've ever seen. If he falls short of the championship, it's still a great time. But once again, this championship race, Jeff, is different than a championship season, how we've seen other guys race in the past. This is the, the golden question that's impossible for me to do, and that's compare the 80s to the 90s to the 2000s. Every decade of NASCAR seems different. Well, regardless, it's extremely impressive what Kyle Larson has done. Uh, you know, it, I agree with you. It's hard. I don't think it's hard to compare wins. I think it's hard to compare championships, Agreed. right? And so, uh, I, you know, I thought, and, and Dustin, you, you, you probably remember this, I thought there was a 13-win season at some point. Is that wrong? Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll give you a different perspective on this. Is I, I'm, I'm going to look. I'm going to look at um, you know looking at overall U.S. motorsports, and I'm going to say that if Kyle Larson wins the championship, we're talking about one of the greatest seasons in U.S. motorsports racing, at least in the in the recent years. When you look at, he's got at least eight wins. You know, if he wins the championship, you figure he's probably going to win that race. That gives him at least nine. Wins the championship. You look, here's the guy who won the Chili Bowl Nationals to start off the year in January. Yeah, the second year in a row. Guy who won the Knoxville Nationals uh, and has won some other big races. I mean, he, he is doing it. 
I, it's almost a throwback to the 1960s type of driver that would race uh, on dirt. And, and I, I grew up in Indiana, would race in the Indianapolis 500 and things like that. You just kind of race all over. Back then, they did it because they had to they had to put food on the on the table. Here, he's doing it because he's just a racer. And again, that broadness of it, I, I you know, I think it's. Um, I'm going to go beyond NASCAR and look at just, you know, he's doing things that we have not seen for quite some time. And I think this is, this is a, a really a season to celebrate. And even if he doesn't win a championship, what he's done has been amazing this year. Yeah. That's a great point, Dustin. I mean, what he, yeah. what he has done from January to, I mean, he's won a lot of races. This is the great thing. And the most difficult thing about sports, it doesn't matter how good you're doing they're still going to compare you to somebody. Yeah, okay, that's true. <laughs> right? It's like, and we do it with, you know, who's the best NBA player of all time? And you get to like 20, and you're talking about the 20 best players if he's not that good, right? He's the 20th best player. That's what's great about sports is that no, you can't reach the pinnacle where everybody just automatically says he's always the best. Like, somebody will always have an argument. And I will say, to your point, Dustin, I agree with Jeff. It was a great point. But I also will say um, – I think the U.S. race fan needs to tip their hat to Kyle Larson because, yeah. and to perhaps Rick Hendrick and Jeff Gordon because I believe Rick Hendrick and Jeff Gordon have the ability or had the ability to perhaps quench that thirst to drive a bunch of things. They have a ton of money, time invested in Kyle Larson and you know assets invested in Kyle Larson, but they allow him to go do all of those things. And as a motorsport fan, which is what we really all are, I love to see when the best of the best has the ability to go put that on display and is willing to put it on display at, at all the different things. So, Dustin, thanks for joining us. Great points today. And uh, I guess we all see you in Kansas, buddy. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, we heard some, some drivers who had a good day at Texas, but everybody can't have a good day, Jeff. There's some drivers that had some bad days in Texas. We're going to hear some sound from drivers like Joey Logano after a frustrating trip to the Lone Star State. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Joey Logano, playoff driver, now behind the wall. The engine expired on the 22. He is out of the race. Bummer. I mean, what do you... What do you do? It's the first time we've blown up a motor in a really long time, so uh, you know it's hard for me to, to say much. You know, uh, Roush Chase does a good job building our motors, so sometimes things happen, and uh, just seemed like that all day. <laughs> you know, we you know, the strategy in the beginning of the race didn't play out the way we hoped it would when we took the two tires, and then we started making our way back up. Then the caution came out after we pitted, and we fell back. So every time we started making gains, we something didn't go right, and ultimately didn't go right at the end. So I, I guess the good news is we know what we got to do in the next two weeks. It's a winner go home at this point. Oh, up into the wall hard. Right coming out of turn four. Martin Truex Jr. slams into the wall. Yeah, we touched for sure, but, you know, just uh, it's really fast right there. And, you know, just tried to correct and hit the splitter and went straight in the fence. So tough spot to have, to have contact like that. Um, I don't know. It is what it is. How do you guys bounce back from this in the next coming races? Ah, try to win one of them, I guess. Sounds like you guys, once that right front issue happened, it was really a tough uphill battle from there. No, yeah, it definitely was. Uh, you know, appreciate everybody continuing to fight through that and, and get our car a lot better. I thought by the end we were, you know, decent. Just by that point, obviously, too too late. And I uh, had another one, you know, vibrate again there after that. So I'm not sure what we had going on there. I'm still currently confused uh so you know we'll talk about it and and maybe uh 
you know, maybe we'll, we'll you know, come to get to the bottom of why that happened. Um, but regardless, just proud of the fight. Obviously, it could have been a lot, a lot worse. We just didn't have, you know, quite a fast enough car. Uh, I thought we were kind of fifth at best, honestly. And um, two wrecks at the end. Uh, you know, the 12 just got bounced up into us there. And, and then the 17 and 14 got into it there and came across the nose. So the, the fact that there was that much attrition was a good, good thing for us, um, you know, because obviously we were able to rally on that green-white checker to get to 11. Kansas has always been really good. It's been like Vegas the last three or four where we feel like we've been, you know, either a first or second place car. So I'm pretty optimistic. Okay, so the good of the bad days was that one right there. Yeah, that's right. Two wrecks in the last several laps and still finished 11th. It could have been a lot worse. He could have been, you know, he could have easily finished 25th. And I thought his assessment was pretty accurate. I think they had about a fifth-place car. Um, and, and, you know, we talk about uh, Bubba Wallace and the accident, the three wide. Well, it's kind of the same situation for Denny Hamlin. You can't lift. You're three wide. I don't blame Denny Hamlin. I don't blame Ryan Blaney. I don't blame Kevin Harvick. But remember, this is where this all started. Three wide right here, ping pong. It's clear to me that Blaney moved up. But at 185 miles an hour on a D-straight straightaway, I'm going to say, oh, he did this. It's just space, right? There's just not a lot of space. There's beating and banging. Left rear tire rub. I also agree to leave him on the racetrack. I don't think you could pit at this point. The tire goes down. And then from there, you go to the back, and he gets caught up in somebody else's wreck. Um, to be honest, quite fortunate. The flat tire could have easily been in the wall, and this hit right here with the 17 could have easily knocked the radiator out. So the 11 of Danny Hamlin, to your point, salvaged points on what was not a good finish to the day. Yeah, that's what you have to do. I mean, when you're having a bad day, try not to make it any worse. Some of, some of it they had some good luck, some good fortune, uh, but nonetheless finished 11th. All right, NASCAR, what do you have for us today? Well, you guys just touched on it. Um, now, yeah, Hamlin, I mean, he, he just he, he recovered. It was great. But with yesterday, you know, Kansas is kind of going to be the same as far as package. They're going to be bunched up. Eight, eight points ain't a whole lot. Should there be a, some little level of concern for Denny? I mean, it's going to be him and Larson. I mean, they've been running good all year, but should there be a level because of what happened yesterday? Yeah. Oh, listen, I think Ryan Blaney had the best quote. The only co driver comfortable going to Kansas is Kyle Larson because even Blaney at plus 17, Denny at plus 9, Kyle Busch at plus 8. Uh, listen, that, that is – I would much rather be Blaney than Truex or Blaney than Keselowski, but that doesn't mean Blaney or Hamlin are feeling good about it at all. Uh, what this does is just proves the hard work that Denny Hamlin and the 11 team put in all year long continues – to, to help him through the playoffs. Because let's not forget, Jeff, second in regular season points, a lot of playoff points. Even though he didn't get the race win, he won some stages. And that finish in regular season points, um, I think, is gonna is the only reason he's above the cut line. I will say, while he's won a couple races in the playoffs that come on you know, when it mattered, if it comes down to a point or two in Martinsville, let's remember he didn't win a race in the regular season. There's right. five playoff points awarded for every, you know. So, so I only bring that up because I don't think this point system at times gets enough credit in my mind. Um, whether it was dumb luck or great planning, whoever came up with this playoff points and how they're awarded, I love the fact that everything you do from February to now does have an impact. Well, yeah, you know, NASCAR, you can run well for the next, really well for the next two weeks and get beaten when you're only nine points up. You don't have For to sure. have a bad day. You don't have to get in a wreck. You don't have to cut a tire. You can actually have good days and lose nine points over two days if somebody over two weeks if somebody gets hot. Uh, the, 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 other, the other guy, Martin Truex Jr., that wreck, 
Uh, that was a hard impact. Whew. You know, and, and a lot of conversation on social media, so I'm told, I try not to read it, but a lot of conversation on social media about Daniel Suarez and Martin Truex Jr. racing. Whose fault was it? You know, should Suarez be there or not? I, look, look, you know, I've been in both of those situations, and the truth of the matter is, sometimes people are going to wreck when you're racing. In my eyes, you know, Suarez could have prevented it. He could have just lifted out of the gas, sure. but he's there racing his race, too. Truex could have prevented by, by not turning left, trying to crowd him a little bit, but he's trying to race his race. Racing happens. I mean, you know, we can't ask our drivers to go out and race hard and, and give it all you got every lap and do all those things and then be surprised when we wreck every now and then. You can't, you know, you're going to wreck. So I have never driven a lap at Texas in my life. So when I analyze what drivers do, I only know how to read them from their reaction. That's what I did with even my own drivers for all these years. And I go by the radio conversation for Daniel Suarez was, I wasn't lifting, I was there. So what I hear there is, I know I probably was the cause of the wreck, but I don't think it's my fault because that was my real estate. Martin Truex Jr. comes out of the care center, not really sure. Now, granted, he just hit the wall a tremendous amount. Said he hadn't seen a replay, but it wasn't a matter of fact he wrecked me, which I then read all through that and see it how you saw it. I think both drivers could have avoided the accident. Therefore, they're both at fault, and it's racing. At some point, you have to understand risk versus reward. I would be, if I'm a crew chief for a playoff driver this week, I'm having the conversation of you need to assume everyone out there is going to race you how they have all year. Because I do believe in my heart that there has been this move of playoff and non-playoff drivers over the last four or five years. And I believe Truex thinks he's going to be cut a break there. And I think we have, because we've seen it. Yeah. I think Byron thought he'd be cut a break by Reddick a week ago at the Roval. Because we have seen it, I think the line is moving for whatever reason. So I don't like leaving things unsaid. Jeff, if you're my driver, I'm pulling you aside and say, hey, man, listen, don't no. expect them <laughs> to give you an inch because right. they're proven they're not going to. So if we do it again this week, Shame on us, right? They're going to stay in there. I agree. I think that's a great point. I think you have to change with what the times are right now. The times are there's a lot of cars that are running well that aren't in the playoffs, and they are a lot of them for racing for their lives, and they're going to go do what they have to do. I think they're still going to be respectful, but I don't think they're going to give you anything extra. All right, Ryan, how about your, how about your take from the weekend? Oh, I'm sorry. We lost Ryan. Oh. Just you and me. Well, I will say, so the one we didn't talk about, Joey Logano, motor issue. I think I read some here, been multiple years, five, six, seven years since I had a motor issue. This is what I will say. Um, it's much like the Bubba wreck. It's much like the Truex wreck. I expect engine failures because if you aren't bringing better and better and better and more horsepower and more horsepower and more horsepower, things are going to break. Would you rather come at a disadvantage and never break anything? Or would you rather come with something that you feel can go win a race? I agree with what Logano said. You know, I think Roush Yates builds great horsepower. We've seen it consistently for decades now in the sport. And you're going to have failures. This is part of it. It's actually, I hate it was at Logano's expense, a little refreshing that these things are not indestructible. Yeah. It's a team sport. And that's from the motor department through the, through the entire shop. Well, one of the things we've been hearing, you know, in the sport is that the Fords are down on power this year, which we don't typically hear. We typically hear anything that Doug Yates is involved in. They make tons of power. But we've heard this year that they've gotten a little bit off. And so how do you counteract that? You go to work. You try to change things. There's a little bit of a parts freeze. You can't buy new parts and put them there. But what you do is you take the parts you have and try to get a little more out of them. Now, listen, I'm assuming 
and I should never assume. But to your point, the drivers try to bring more of the playoffs. The guys hanging a body try to bring more. The guys that setting the cars up, everybody tries to bring more to the playoffs because you have to. And so to see an engine break isn't a major surprise. If, when people are trying to just do things better. Your assumption is respect for that entire engine camp that you know they're not sitting back saying, well, this yes. is what you got, right? right? Your assumption is that we both know uh, Doug Yates and everyone yes. there, and, and they do not just stand by the sidelines and let racing happen. They are there, they are grinding, they are trying to improve. And I believe that's why you saw disappointment but respect out of Joey Logano because he knows he's a champion and has a trophy case full of trophies for those same men and women that built the engine that let him down on Texas. That's part of racing, right? Listen, exactly. we all make mistakes. And this might be – sometimes it's just bad luck, part failure. Yep, yep. Well, somebody that was on the track this past weekend, a really good run. Daniel Hendrick ran second, uh, got himself a really good day for points, trying to get the next round of playoffs. When we come back, he's going to join us. Tough questions coming your way, Daniel. Get ready. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. John Hunter Nemechek running for a championship in the truck series. Already five wins there. He's won here in a truck now. He has won in the Xfinity Series. My goal coming in was, was to win. Uh, I, I had to win to prove to myself that I can do this, and it's just like taking a step back to the Truck Series. I, I wanted to get back to Victory Lane, so we're racing for an owner's championship. So uh, I'm back in the 54 at Phoenix, so uh, going for double championships there uh, when we go. I don't know. We got the car good at the end of the race there. When we stayed out on all tires, it was just at that point, I think the tires were a big deficit too. So, you know, we, we just need to fire off a lot better than what we have been. But it's a frustrating day when eighth is like oh that's better than we ran all day that's bad so uh we need to figure out what we got going on and uh get better the previous run there we were actually pretty good i thought we could run about third to fourth there and uh made an adjustment on that last pit stop and just got really tight again so speeds like this around texas it's such a fine line between getting the car to turn and, and uh not being too loose but getting too tight so good day could be better could be a lot worse so we'll uh, we'll go to kansas uh you know we made a few mistakes i uh hit the seven getting on the pit road and then um i think the 16 hit a, our tire carrier coming in the box and threw the tire so yeah it feels good to to have a third place finish the 18 and the 54 they were they were pretty good but uh just needed a little bigger of adjustment there on that last pit stop but that's a lot of stuff for only one point but uh at the end of the day we we get to continue to go on Dave Rogers made, a, made good adjustments all day to get it better. And once we got that clean air and, you know, we're pretty well checked out. And caution came out and they just made a good call there. Take two. It's damned if you do, damned if you don't. I was whipping it for all I had. About pounding the fence there three or four times trying to catch me. Thankful to know that I can leave it all on the line here. His next three races uh, with Joe Gibbs Racing. And that's what we're going to do. Thank you. Well, that's the sound from some of the Xfinity Series drivers, and what a battle we have when it comes to the playoffs. You have A.J. and Cindric with a little bit of a cushion. Easily can be lost in a bad race, but then Allgaier to Haley, just basically throw a blanket over those. And then you have Harrison and Brandon Jones, two Joe Gibbs Racing drivers with a little bit of a deficit. They're going to have to find some more speed 
find some more points. Well, the third Joe Gibbs Racing driver in the playoffs, the second place finisher from Texas, has joined us uh, via the video phone here. So, Daniel, man, first of all, congratulations. Nine stage wins on the year. I know you still want to get that career win, but I want to talk about Texas. You have a championship opportunity in front of you. It's been announced you're leaving Gibbs at the end of the year. I know you'd love to be be uh, your last few races with with Gibbs end up as a champion. Yeah, without a doubt, Steve. First off, uh, thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, that's what we're working towards, right? Um, I thought Noah sums it up well. It's a lot going on inside that race to have the points only shuffle a point or two, especially you know amongst the first six or seven guys. So. I don't know, man. Just, um, you know, we had another really fast Joe Gibbs racing Toyota Supra. It was cool to have Craftsman Tools on board and, um, you know, for a one-off race with us this year. And, you know, I thought as a group, you know, the 18 team did all we could do to try to win. Um, you know, we showed early on that we had really good short run speed for four to five laps led a lot of those short runs early in the race, you know, really throughout the whole race. Um, after about five or six laps, that 54 was, you know, you got to admit it was just better. So, um not sure why I clean up on my end or, or do things differently to figure that out or, or prepare for something different. But, you know, those guys just made a great call to, to take two tires and, you know, leapfrogs on pit road. Um, <laughs> ultimately, the rest has been history, but solid day for us for sure. So, Daniel, I want to go back to the beginning, early part of the race. You guys decided to pit toward the end of stage one, uh, potentially giving up stage points, thinking about, okay, so we're going to miss them there, but overall, that could help us later in the race. What was going through your mind when that call was made? I, t I thought Dave Rogers was nuts. That's what I thought. <laughs> For him to uh, him to make that call, man, that was, um, I, there ain't no way, you know, first off, he's sitting up there for a reason. There ain't no way he could have known that the guy who won stage one was going to, I don't think Cinder got any stage points in stage two. So, yeah, it was a, it was a weird, weird deal because think about it, right? I mean, we're running third, I think, at that time when we pit, second or third. Um, and, if, you know, we're three laps away from the thing just finishing under green. You know, what would the dynamic of the race look like then, right? We'd have got stage three points. Who knows what would happen in stage two, but you definitely wouldn't have lost track position. Um, but, yeah, so he made that call, right? We're giving up, what, seven or eight really critical points at this point of the year. Um, but I think when it was all said and done, it ended up being a wash for the whole field. So very odd, um, but that's why – you know, he gets paid to, to make those calls. And I thought it was showed his aggression, right? Showed the aggression of what his 18 team and how we're approaching, you know, these last handful of races. To make a call like that, that shows all you're worried about is trying to win the race. And that's what we tried to do. I want to talk about the, the races coming up, right? With Kansas, Martinsville, and then the season will end at Phoenix. Um, on Sundays, the field is very deep, but the races are very long. We see the chaos on the restarts. On Saturdays, take me behind the wheel, right? Your races are condensed. I mean, your stages are normally not even a fuel run. You, you aren't even required to pit in most of the stages. So when you yeah. drop the green, I mean, it seems like you guys have this different intensity where you just know there is no opportunity to recover from a bad pit stop or a bad couple laps. No, you're right. I mean, without a doubt, you know, the fastest cars can do it. We're talking maybe three or four cars throughout the field any given Saturday. But the grand scheme of things is you can't overcome something like that. And the majority of the field can't. Um, but I say that, right? 54 got a penalty, came back, won the race. So, um, But when they dropped the green flag, the intensity of the NASCAR Xfinity Series is unlike any I've ever been a part of. Oh, and by the way, we're going to throw a competition caution there about lap 20 everywhere we go. And we don't have the tires to pit, right? So um, all it does is bring the whole field back together and put on a better show for, for TV and the fans. And um, it without a doubt does that. But in, inside the car, I can promise you, you are – you're 
puckered up and and uh, doing all you can to get all you can when you can because you don't know when you're going to get another chance to re-rack and the races are gone just like that. Well, man, you keep driving and running like you did at Texas. You're going to go to Victory Lane. And when it happens, Burton said he's buying the beer. So it's going to be a great party. <laughs> We're all going to come celebrate. Uh, appreciate you joining us. I know it's a pressure-packed time of the year. Appreciate you uh, jumping on here, letting the fans get your firsthand uh, account of the Saturday Xfinity Race in Texas, man. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. My first time here at Motor Mouse. So uh, oh. it's been a good experience. Look forward to Kansas. I've got two uh, – Kansas pole pedal car sitting here next to me in my office, so I'd like to add a trophy to him this weekend. I like that. I like that approach. I like that approach. Jeff, uh, you know, Daniel is doing everything he has to be. I really hate that he ran into a team car that wasn't running for uh, a championship because I think that's what allowed that 54 to make that two-tire call. Yeah, they've got winning speed. They've got the opportunity to, to win. They can, Listen, I wouldn't be surprised if he won the next three races. Right. And, you know, they've got that speed. The 54 car is the fastest car on the racetrack, no matter who's driving, and that's a credit to them and I'm not discounting anyone that's driving it because they are making it happen. Uh, but that is the fastest car in the field, and it, it hasn't it's impacted the racing as well. You know, you just mentioned Daniel Hemrick. I mean, he had a really good day. He ran really well, and he lost a point. <laughs> he lost a point to the, to, the, to the cut line. He's still below the cut line. If the 54 car isn't there or doesn't make that gamble, he wins a race, boom, off he goes. Think about Noah Gregson. He lost a race at Texas last year in the last corner. Would have moved him on with a chance to win a championship at Homestead. Never happened. Yep. Never recovered from it. Now, listen, it's two different things. But a point in time, one point, one incident can completely change whether or not you'll have a chance to, to go to Phoenix or not. We're only a couple of minutes left. Let's head to the phones. Nicholas, you're on Motor Mouse. Hello. How y'all doing today? How are you, sir? Doing good. So I have a question about the Xfinity series. Um, so that the 50 car won, so that takes away one position for the, the championship final four in the uh, for Phoenix. So does that add more pressure to the other eight drivers heading in the next two races at Martinsville? Well, so we, the one thing confusing about Xfinity Series is the 54 won, and they entered the owner's championship. Because we see multiple drivers in Xfinity Series, it'll be the owner champion and the driver champion could actually be separate. We've seen that before. So that has not removed what we're going to celebrate at the champion. I know the owners will celebrate. We're going to celebrate the driver champion, John Hunter Nemechek, not in the Xfinity Series uh, driver championship. So no one is locked in yet. But I will say this, Jeff. Almondinger and Cindric have a little bit of gap. I'm going to put the pressure on your son, Harrison, and Brandon Jones at 21 and 32. Here's the thing about the Xfinity Series. 10 or 12 guys, 13 guys, right? If, if Cindric has an awful day, even if he doesn't wreck, he's going to run 12th or 13th. I think it's harder to make up 20 points for Harrison and Brandon than it even would be on Sunday because of the depth of the field. Well, I agree. I mean, Harrison, just take Harrison and Brandon, for example. You know, Harrison got stage points. I think he finished 6th in the first stage and finished 7th in the race. And... He lost 12 points. Right. And a lot of people didn't get stage points in that second stage because of the pit sequence. So he didn't have a horrible day and lost 12 points. Yep. So it's going to be you, – you, people are going to have to make mistakes or you're going to have to be spectacular. You're going to have to go win a race. And right now, neither one of them showing the speed. Well, the playoffs are here. Kansas this weekend. Xfinity on NBC Saturday. Cup on NBCSN Sunday. NASCAR Motor Mouse returns at 6 p.m. on Wednesday. So call in, give us your opinion. We're going to start looking ahead to Kansas. Tell us what drivers you think are in trouble, what drivers have a chance, and everybody can pick Kyle Larson as the winner because I think that's what everyone's going to do.
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.